So I'm watching TV at uh, the beach on vacation, and um, I'm noticing all of these different advertisement slogans that are just catching my eye. Like, the best a man can get, right? That's Gillette. Um, or uh, Taste the Rainbow, that is Skittles. Or how about, break me off a piece of that? Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Break me off a piece of that? Thank you. Someone right here, I think it was great. Good, thank you, Gray. Um, and uh, actually, you guys should be doing it in harmony, and I'm a little disappointed, but no. Um, but, but there's popular slogans that uh, have, they were just starting to catch my eye, and I thought, you know, these ad agencies did not realize back when they were written, and some were written uh, a long time ago, some were written like uh, 70 years ago, you have Volkswagen with the introduction of the Beatles, their slogan was, think small. I don't think they had any idea back then that what they did was not for Volkswagen or later on when Apple did theirs think different. I don't think they, they were doing it for their consumers. They were actually doing it for me and for you today. Because in the making, I truly believe that there are in these popular slogans, there are some profound lessons. Today, I want to just share with you um, one, again, if you, uh, I've been preaching on this for two weeks, you're going to get number three and four. And this week, we're going to look at Verizon. Now, I gotta, I've told the other congregation that, you know, by no means is this a, um, am I making you, or trying to convince you to purchase these or anything like that. But here we are with Verizon, and in the early 2000s, Verizon launched its Can You Hear Me Now ad campaign. It's one of the most memorable ones. None of you third graders remember this, all right? But I know, if, if, if shake your head if you remember Can You Hear Me Now. There was this test guy who would go out and he would pop up on the screen in these most obscure places, in these most random places, and he would have his cell phone to his ear and he would ask the question to the person on the other end, can you hear me now? And what you didn't hear was what was said back to him, and you, it's implied that the person on the other end replied yes, because the test man would then say, good. And that was it. Of course, the tagline, you know, that came up that said, um, uh, Verizon, uh, we never stop working for you. That was their... Uh, um, their, their tagline that would fall on the end. And then the next ad would come up and the test guy would be in another obscure, random place, right? I think Verizon nailed it. Now, the younger generation just doesn't understand this. When they pick up their phone, it seems that 99% of the time, no matter where you find yourself, you have a signal. But I remember back in the 2000s, there were some companies that were cellular and others that, that were trying to reach all the areas of, of uh, the uh, country and uh, off-beaten paths, but there were other companies that just focused on big cities and interstates. And if you got off those interstates, good luck on finding a signal, right? I, hear, I see some of you nodding your head, right? Do you, a little bit of anxiety. I, and you, when you were searching for a cell company, what was the very first thing that you looked at? It wasn't the price, it was the coverage map. 
Because you're thinking, okay, I usually go down the corridor Z and I go, I'm going to be in Tai Tai. Will there be service in Tai Tai? You know, or in these country areas. And, and a lot of the, for me at least, when I bought service, I was looking at where am I going to get the most reliable place? Verizon's ad campaign, it, it's just, it was in response to this fierce comp competition in the mobile telecommunications market. And network quality and coverage, they were the key differentiators between the companies and the different, uh, um, the different uh, uh, their competitors. So this campaign, this question this, uh, that was, can you hear me now? It effectively communicated that message that Verizon, and again, I'm not soliciting for them, but this was what they were trying to make their consumers hear and their competitors hear, that Verizon offered the most reliable coverage even in these obscure and random places. And it worked. I mean, the can you hear me now phrase has become a part of popular culture, at least it was in the 2000s. Or you would have this guy that would pop up, his name was Paul, and uh, I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm not gonna even try. Paul, I mean, you could recognize him, right? Even when he went to Sprint afterwards, right? There was a time when he left Verizon and went to Sprint and did the same thing. So even though this phrase, can you hear me now? Don't look, or don't even try to look, because it's not in the Bible. <laughs> I do believe, though, there is a profound message for us today. There's a lesson here for today. Because there are a lot of obstructions in our world today. There are a lot of voices all trying to vie for our attention. And the question is, if you have to write down one thing, write this down because this is the tension. This is the question that we are wrestling with today. Which voice will you actively listen for over the rest of the voices? Which voice will you actively listen for over the rest of the voices? And I say actively, rest, uh, actively because I know that in um, this room right now, there are so many different radio frequencies that are shooting through this room. Now, none of us are disturbed. Because, for instance, I have a pack on the back of my, my uh, belt loop that is actually wirelessly transmitting to a little room over here and it is transmitting my voice so that it makes it up there and then goes over to the broadcast room where it's sent out over the world and six billion people are watching us right now. I'm sure of it. <laughs> but you don't hear that noise. Oh, you hear my noise, but you don't hear the frequency, do you? I think WTVM is actually broadcasting right now. And the radio waves and the television waves are going through this room and you don't hear it. There's a couple hundred cell phones in this room. Some of you who are not you know, playing um, uh, Words with Friends or Wordle right now, you know, you might, be, um, you, you might be wondering, I wonder if my cell phone has bars or something like that. It does, and you look down and you know there's a signal. You have wireless internet here. There's so many signals, and what I know is that if you don't actually have the receiver, if you don't have the antenna, it is going to be difficult for you to hear those things. And so we must position ourselves. We must be actively listening 
for certain voices in our lives. And this is important. You all know this, how important it is. I've been married for 30 years, and it took me, believe it or not, almost all those 30 years to learn this, that I have to be actively listening for my wife, even if she is not speaking. <laughs> She's shaking her head. If I'm in a meeting, I tell folks that I put my phone on do not disturb, but I really put it on family, because I, I know if my phone rings and it's Lisa, I'm going to answer it. I'm actively waiting. Even if she's not saying anything, I'm listening. And when we've gone to crowded spaces or like Disney or something like that, our children, it is something, parents, you know this. You know your child's voice. You could have a thousand children say dad, but your child says dad and you, whoa, where are they? Are they? You, you, you are actively listening for those, those vo voices. And this is what my family wants from me. This is what my family wants from me. For them to call out, and for me, whether they are, I'm just like waiting, but no matter where I find myself, I'm actively listening for their voices. Now, if they have to come to me, and little Katie Grace comes to me, and she takes my face and puts her hands on my cheek, and she holds that right there in front of her, inches away from her eyes, and she looks at me in the eye, and she says, Dad, listen to me. I'm going to tell you, everybody who sees that will say, hmm, he's not actively listening to his son or his daughter. He's not doing it. It's a tall tale sign that I'm not listening. I'm not actively listening. So that kind of sets the stage here for us today because at any one time, God's voice is amongst the many voices. And God expects us to be actively listening for his voice. God expects us to be actively listening for his voice. Because isn't that what we expect from him? When you pray, don't you expect God to be actively listening for your voice? God expects that to be reciprocated back. So very quickly, we look at these two verses, these two passages from two different passages in the book, two different places the first one from John 10, Jesus is out in the field. He has some sheep around him. He's teaching. It's one of these great I am statements of the book of John where Jesus is declaring who he is. In this particular place, he says, my sheep, listen to my voice. You have your Bibles, go ahead, circle voice or on the back of your bulletin, order of worship, circle the word. They hear my voice, hear my voice in that culture. That word does not necessarily just mean physical hearing. It doesn't mean physical hearing. In that culture, there is something that is, that is um, expected to happen. That if Jesus or God is speaking, there is, there is two things that they want the people to do, the listener to do. In that culture, they want you to know something. And they want you to do something. And you cannot get those out of order. You can't, 
They don't want you to do something before you know something. They want you to know something, and then they want you to do something, right? So if you think about this in Israel's culture, back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, now the whole book of Deuteronomy is one sermon, sermon from Moses. Now if I go a little long today, just be glad that I'm not teaching on 33 chapters in one standing, okay? So if I go five minutes long, just say, whew, I'm glad he's not Moses. Me too, all right? But here we are in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and, Jesus, and Moses says to his people, hear, some scriptures might say, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now Moses wanted them to know something. What does he want them to know? Listen, hear, the Lord our God. Well, the first thing is, it's our God collectively. It's not just mine as Moses, it's all of ours. We are the chosen people. And he also wants the people to know the Lord is one. In that culture where there is every different clan in, outside of Israel had their own God or God's this spoke to the exclusivity of Yahweh. Two things he wanted them to know. God is yours, and he's the only one. Now, he did not only just want them to know this, he wanted them to do something. How do I know that? Go to the very next verse. Deuteronomy 6, chapter 6, verse 5. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. It's important that we remember this, it, that you cannot do something without know something, knowing it. And so knowing this actually gives us a little bit more understanding, gives us a little bit more perspective for us to lovingly respond to God being ours and to God being exclusive, that, the only God, that we are now special, we're chosen, we're God's, the, the children of God, that kind of prods us and prompts us to actually move into this area where we want to do that. See, if we get those backwards, we're trying to manipulate God. We're trying to do a favor for God. Well, if I love him today with all my heart, then maybe I'll get my prayers answered. No. Despite of the world around us, we love because we know these things. And of course, on your own, go through the next three verses, seven and eight, six, seven, and eight, and he, Moses tells you how. Teach it to your children. When you rise, talk about it. When you lie down, talk about it. When you're on the table, talk about it. Make reminders. Write it on your doorpost. Put it on your frontlets or put it on a note card. Put it on a reminder on your phone so that you are remembering these things because Moses knew, even without the telecommunication age, that there are a lot of things that are vying for their attention. It's important that you keep it in front. So go back to Jesus in John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice. You say, okay, what's, why is that just intellectual hearing? Well, you don't have to guess because look at the next couple phrases. And I know them. And what? They follow me. They don't follow Jesus to look for the voice. They don't follow Jesus so Jesus would know them. 
It's because they hear. And because God knows, Jesus knows, that they follow. So in this context, hearing, you got to know something, and then you do something. And this is not just here and contained in seven, where Jesus comes to this end of this feast. He, feast, he cries on this last day, and he says, come to me, all you who are thirsty, and I will satisfy you, right? And out of you, those who believe in me, uh, they will have eternal life, and out of them will flow waters of, of living waters, right? I will sprout living waters out of them. And using that word believe, it's not just intellectual. It has this connotation of trust, of confidence in God. So when we read these verses, they have so much profound implications for us today that the act of listening, as understood with hearing in John 10 or believing in John 7, the act of listening emphasizes the dynamic and active relationship between Jesus and his followers. It's something that God expects to happen from his followers. It's, and it's something that we actually expect from him. Now, this is a tall task. I mean, we might think looking, okay, how do I start listening to God? How do I start doing those things and, 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 and uh, um, unfold here these uh, different steps of, of becoming more attuned to this? Because if we don't, what's at stake is that we miss so many different things that God is actually one to encourage us with. You see, being attuned to God's voice doesn't just mean we're waiting for the command to obey. God also speaks to us to encourage us. I have several examples. Let me just share one. My daughter works over Piedmont in the ER. She had a horrible day as a nurse. Tuesday. Just a horrible day. I can only imagine. She loves over there, and, and, and she was just, um, you know, just really displaced in her thoughts and her feelings about what she was doing and stuff like that. The next morning, she receives a text message from somebody that she actually visited and saw there. And the text message actually said, it was written to us that we shared with, with Anna, and it said, do you not know, I hope your daughter knows that she is where she needs to be. The way that she exudes confidence in the way that she has a loving smile on her face. And I'm like thinking, well, do you, where do you think she learned that from? Her mother, okay? <laughs> but this idea, now if, we, if we're not careful, you know what we do? Oh, that's a coincidence. No, that's God speaking. That is God speaking to her. I forwarded that to her. I forwarded that to her husband. I wanted them to know that even in those moments where we want to give up, that God still speaks. You see what's at stake here? And this happens over and over and over again. That in the, you could not orchestrate how the Holy Spirit is just putting these intersections. And then all of a sudden, if you're attuned to it, 
boom. Oh my goodness. Look at what God's done. And everybody else says, you're crazy. That's just a coincidence. No, it is God speaking. It is God reminding me. It's God encouraging us. So Verizon's Can You Hear Me Now campaign, it's a modern parable, isn't it? It prompts us to regularly ask ourselves this question. Can I hear him now? Can I hear God now? Asking God this question in the midst of these different places, these obscure places, and encouraging us to take the necessary steps that our spiritual reception is strong, clear, and uninterrupted. That our receiver is, is tuned in. Let, let me give you three quick things. And write these down seriously, because I want you to choose one this week that you're going to focus on. The first thing that we can do that, that, that helps us kind of tune in is this. Realize the need for re receptivity. The, the, when we talk about God speaking, we, we, God is always speaking. You could look out over nature as Romans 1 tells us. And you can see, or as the Isaiah tells us, or the psalmist tells us, and you can see the beautiful nature of God that God has created. And you can just worship God as God is speaking through. God is always speaking, but we must ask ourselves if we are positioned to hear Him. We're checking our signals. We're actively listening. Is God speaking? We're asking that question in those difficult moments. Where is God in this? The next thing that we need to do is not only the need for receptivity, is we've got to navigate obstructions. Just like our cell service back 20 years ago, if you were near a mountain cliff or you were in a valley, you probably did not get many, much signals, uh, much cell strength. Even tunnels. Today you can go through a tunnel and you got full signal all the way through. Then you say, oh, uh, sweetheart, uh, tunnel's coming up, I'll call you back. You need to navigate the obstructions. And it's the same way when we think about our connection with God. It can be disrupted by sin. Active disobedience actually prevents active listening. Active disobedience prevents active listening. Distractions, preoccupations. A few weeks ago, I, we, we were talking about think different. And, and the, the idea was the secular worldview versus the Christian worldview. And I think if we are honest with ourselves we would have to admit that we are influenced more by our secular worldview than we are by the Christian worldview. And remember, worldview is just the framework that we interpret the world around us. It was, it's what causes us to call it a coincidence more than God speaking and God actively being a part of our lives. So we need to be careful about those things. We need to be actively navigating those those uh, um, those obstructions, and then finally, this is probably one of the most the one of the most uh, important. We've got to practice regular check-ins with God. Once a week is not enough. 
I'm really grateful you guys are here today and those of you who are worshiping at home. Once a week is not a regular check-in for your faith. Get involved in a small group. Read your Bible. Devotions are wonderful, but it is only second to the scriptures themselves. Get involved in actively uh, checking in with God. That's all that's doing is tuning your heart to the right frequency. So choose one of those. Now let me close this way. There are so many examples of people in the scriptures that heard God's voice and responded in a positive way. Because many times we do hear God's voice and we actually choose to ignore it. Don't raise your hand, because I'd be the first. There are examples of people who heard God's voice and actually obeyed, and there's examples of people who have heard God's voice and they actively chose to disobey. So it's not about tuning in. This is actually, what are you going to do with this voice when you hear it, when you hear God speaking to you? Mary, the mother of Jesus, was one of them. Remember, Gabriel comes in Luke chapter 1 and says that she is going to conceive the Son of God. Mary's response is, what? No way. You need to go down the street. No. She said, let it be according to you what you have said. I am the Lord's servant. And you have the opposite of that, Jonah, who heard God's voice that said, go to Nineveh. Let those people know that they are not outside the redemption of God. And Jonah said, no. In fact, went the opposite direction. Are you a Mary or are you a Jonah? Now, if you're a Jonah, do not fret about that. Embrace it, because God never wrote Jonah off and still pursued him, asking, how about now? Can you hear me? How about now? My prayer for us is that we practice active listening to God position ourselves in such a way where we lean in to the Christian worldview, to what God says, and allow those to become standards for our heart and our mind. Gracious Heavenly Father, I pray that this would be the case for us. That you, O God, would continue to move in and through and around us that you would continue to speak in us, and that, God, you will not give up. Lord, I pray that, um, that your Holy Spirit, even though here we may not understand the significance, but maybe in the next week or the next few days or months, that you would allow us to hear your promptings and your reminders that are not always centered around obedience, but many times it's around 
a framework of how we see ourselves in your eyes. Lord, this is for your glory and for your kingdom. And it's in your son's precious name that I pray. Amen.